Well, as you just saw, the week after Easter, two weeks from today, is the after party. And you go, what is that about? Let me tell you what it's about. We want the ability on Easter to look out at everyone and say, we want you to come next week, but we're going to do something totally different. Instead of a worship service like this, we're going to have food, we're going to have games, we're going to have a prayer tent, we're going to have baptisms, we're going to have fun for the whole family from 11 to 2. And the reason we're doing this, let me tell you the reason we're doing this, it's so easy to invite your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers to this. You say, hey, I've invited you to church, but let me just tell you, uh, this church service is going to be different than anything you've ever seen because it's not really a service. Bring your family, come eat, come have fun, let your kids jump on the jumpers and enjoy and meet some of my friends. And so maybe your friends and your family or your coworkers that you've been praying for, maybe their first experience in church in a long time is going to be one of friendship and fellowship and enjoyment. And we will, the week after, launch a new series on the book of Hebrews called Don't Give Up. And so we just want to let you know, uh, you can get invitations to this uh, through um, our foyer. So Neely Campus and your foyer uh, at City Center here at 191. Go get invitations. You can invite people to the after party. Uh, We have those ready for you. If you're serving during the after party, we have t-shirts for you uh, to, to pick up so you can serve. If you say, hey, I'd love to serve and be a part of that. There's opportunities. Just check with those that are manning the booths uh, there at Neely and at 191. We're going to have a great, great time. This is happening on all campuses, so it'll happen at 191 at Neely and our Odessa Espanol campus. So uh, get ready. We're going to have a lot of fun. Think and pray about who you're going to invite, some friends that you're going to engage with, and say, hey, come with me to church 11 o'clock on the 11th of of April. It's going to be awesome. Well, today, I'm I'm just telling you, you're in for a special treat. Um, It was probably, uh, if my memory serves me right, about 2003 um, when I first met Donnell Jones. Uh, He was speaking at a youth event for our Every Nation spiritual family. I was there as well, bringing some students and speaking, and I met him and heard him preach for the first time. As the years followed... Uh, we became fast friends the last 17, 18 years, uh, where uh, we would talk and pray together and share uh, what's going on in each other's lives. And we would, like good friends do, uh, check in on one another when things are hard and celebrate together when things are good. And, and this is the kind of friend I have in Pastor Donnell Jones. Uh, Pastor Donnell Jones is an incredible leader in the body of Christ. He's a part of our spiritual family in every nation. Uh, he pastors Grace Covenant Church in Washington, D.C. By the way, that's not an easy place to lead a church. Can we all say amen to that? Uh, And he has navigated it amazingly. The Lord has blessed his ministry as he's helped plant churches uh, in various places, including Philadelphia, Baltimore, and even Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, He has uh, served uh, as the NACB chaplain, um, the National Association of uh, chaplains for basketball coaches. I mean, this is pretty amazing. Uh, The final four, he's there at the final four every year, creating ministry for coaches and staffs of basketball teams. He he has uh, served for years as a chaplain and the character coach for the University of Maryland basketball team as well as the football team at times. Um, He has uh, served and is currently serving along with me in the uh, North American leadership team within our Every Nation churches. Um, But more than anything, uh, he is an amazing father, amazing husband uh, to Marianne and their their children, 
uh, five kids. They're awesome. And I'm just telling you, uh, you're in for a treat. As he's got a word from God for us today. And I want you to welcome, whether you're at Neely Campus, online, or 191, let's welcome Pastor Donnell Jones as he comes. Thank you. Good morning. Here we are again. I've been coming to Midland, Odessa for almost 15 years, and you're the reason why. Uh, Prior to you and my relationship with Pastor Daniel, I'd never been to Midland, Odessa, but seeing your faces every year, although I wasn't here last year, uh, gives me great pleasure. So good to see you all. Hey, Neely Campus, love you guys. Happy anniversary. I know it's been three years uh, since you guys got started. Make some noise. I can't hear you. A little louder. Yeah, I hear you now. I love Andrew and Allie um, in the church there. Three years ago, Pastor Daniel actually took me for a tour of the facility before you guys. I think you just got started. And then yesterday, we got to go to the Odessa campus. I'm really excited about that. Got to see uh, Kayla's handiwork all over that place and the team that's been working hard. She's phenomenal, right? Um, I'd like to recommend her if anybody needs any design. She's probably like, please don't say that. Um, but, but it's so good to be here. Um, it really is. And um, I think we're in for a treat because God's here. That's what I think. Um, and I love my, my dear friends, uh, Pastor Daniel and Kayla Stevens and their family, Jude, Jonah, Campbell, Anna. They're amazing, aren't they? Uh, they really are. I was thinking uh, recently about my friendship. And we have laughed together. We have cried together. Um, and even more so in the last year and a half. Um, When you think about the turbulent times in our country, um, I was so glad to already be in friendship with people who don't look like me. Um, Pastor Daniel didn't have to go find a black friend when everything went down. I'm just saying. He didn't have to try to figure out, oh, Here's my black friend. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. We've been walking together for almost two decades. So moments like this allowed our friendship to go even deeper. We had a virtual call one time with some of us pastors, some of us black, some of us white, and we wept together. And my soul was healed. And I'm grateful for the friendship that God's given me in men like him and couples like this families like this and churches like this be grateful God has blessed you all right we're not going to cry all service we're going to laugh actually I've been given the task to talk about um, marriage and so I want to speak not just from um, the textbook God's word, but also from experience. Um, As Daniel said, my wife and I have five children. Um, Here's a picture of my family, everyone there except my son, John. Um, Yeah. When this photo was taken, my son was already an adult and had moved out, and so he left me in the sea of estrogen. (laughs) I love it. I'm a I'm an average swimmer in the sea of estrogen. I've, 
I haven't drowned. Um, but sometimes I call my son and say, come get me. Um, I just need some testosterone. But that's my wife, Marianne, our four beautiful daughters. I love them. Um, here's another photo. It's called Hashtag Canada. Um, we, every Christmas, now that the, everybody's older, the youngest is 20 now, so we'll go away. Um, Chicago one year, Canada before this. So this was Canada. Uh, funny story about that, which ask me later and I'll tell you. But, but that's my gang. And Marianne and I have been married 29 years. And uh, it'll be 30 in November. And this is what I used to look like. <laughs> she still looks the same. <laughs> she still looks like that. Um, I've just got less hair and hopefully more wisdom. Um, but that's, that's my crew. And, um, you know, 11 years ago when I was here, I preached a message called Be One With Me. And it was about marriage. Um, we're doing a series, Pour Into or Pour Into Your Marriage. And uh, I remember being in a session with Pastor Tom. I don't know if he's in the room, but, you know, really some impactful statements. I took notes um, just about how oftentimes people need to understand that when you go to counselors, they're usually equipped to deal with marriage as a social issue, um, which is important. However, marriage is really a spiritual matter. And so to really um, understand all of what God wants, he's got to be a part of that. So I'm today calling this Be One With Me, the remix. The remix. You ready? All right. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're present. For where you have already worked in us, individually, collectively, in our marriages, in our families, let us be open now to the work that you've already begun so that it's advanced further. Make progress in us today so that we are those who respond to your call to be one with you. Amen. Ecclesiastes 4.12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Uh, my wife and I have rings, uh, like many married couples. Uh, the ones we wear now are not the original ones. Mine is actually a triple braided ring. On the inside of hers, it's engraved. It says three strands. The inside of mine says not easily broken. We decided to put not easily broken inside of mine because my ring is much bigger and it wouldn't fit all in hers. Three strands uh, filled up pretty much. And I want to talk about this triple braided cord. And the best reference point I can give you from my personal life is that my wife is really good at braiding hair. I do not have that skill. Um, she can do her hair, and she's done all of our girls' hair. I mean, Saturday mornings was the hair salon at my house, and they all have beautiful hair. And sometimes she would braid their hair, um, not twist it. So for those who need some help with that, 
A twist is when you take, you part the hair and you take two strands and you just twist them together. And when mom is out of town and dad's home with four girls, that's what he does because he can't braid, he twists. So I twist their hair and then I put a little barrette at the end. And then we go to church and people come up to me and they're very kind and say, oh, Marianne must be away. Yeah, she is. How did you know? Is it because you don't see her? Like, they were clearly looking at the girl's hair. I mean, the girls would go, Mommy doesn't do it like that, Daddy. Like, I know, Daddy can't do it the way Mommy does it. She can just take her fingers, and I don't know how she does it, but she separates the hair into sections, and then those sections into three strands, and then she just kind of puts these strands together. And she can do it really fast. So it's three strands that get braided, and when she's at the end, it doesn't require a barrette. You know what a barrette is? It's 2021. They may call them something else. My baby's 20 now. So anyway, um, and and a braid at the end doesn't need a barrette. It will not come undone. In fact, with a twist, and I'm not asking for volunteers. I've done this publicly. It probably wasn't a good idea. But if you you go to the base of a woman's hair and there's a twist, you could actually insert like a pen or a pencil, and you could literally go zip, and it would come undone in a second. If you try to go to the base of a braid and do it, because it's braided, it will not come undone. It is not easily broken. It also can take much more pressure, and because it's it's three, when weight is put on it, it actually expands and stretches. How many know I'm talking about marriage? And so, what I've learned is God calls us in marriage to be one with Him. God, husband, wife, be one with me. A three-braided cord, a three-stranded cord that is not easily broken. I want to carry that image as we go throughout this because there are three points we'll talk about. One, being stranded by ourselves. Two, laughing despite ourselves. And three, braiding us together. So God intends us to be braided together with him, not stranded by ourselves. His heart actually aches when we end up stranded by ourselves. Um, I can't imagine, though I've read it like many of you, the moment that God comes walking in the cool of the day in the most beautiful garden ever, Eden. Spend time with the only man and the only woman. But there was a moment where they ended up stranded by themselves. They were still together. But God came walking and he asked this question, where are you? The primary braid is asking, where are you? Where are you? Instead of being stranded together or braided together with him, they were stranded together by themselves. And when you get stranded together by yourselves in marriage, you get it twisted. Any married couples would like to say, I got it twisted. Over 30 years, I've gotten it twisted, Marianne and I, quite a few times. But God comes in and he intervenes and he'll let the twist unravel back to where the last braid was and then start braiding it back up again. So I want to look closely at a couple who I love, Abraham and Sarah, formerly known as Abram and Sarai, and they're like my heroes. They're one of my favorite couples in the Bible. They're so great. They are full of faith and at the same time full of flaws. 
and you see their faith and their flaws and the primary strand all working together over decades of their life. So I want to read this passage to you, and then we're going to go for it. In Genesis 21, verses 1 through 13, it says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac, his son, was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I've borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking, and she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Wow. Little historical context. We know from Genesis 12 that God actually appeared to Abraham, then called Abram, and sometimes I'll use both names, the same person, or Sarai, Sarah. God appeared to him and said, leave everything and go to the land I've promised. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to give you this great land, prominence, all this stuff. And they trusted God. They obeyed God's word. It's so wonderful to be at rest in trusting God. And so now they are living in this land that God promised, and they've been there about 10 years. And we're going to kind of flashback. But a couple of points to point out here. God is keeping you for something, not just from something. God actually fulfilled the word he said about Sarah having a son, Isaac. It's really powerful. But we need to understand some things and, and look back to see what was what was going on here. God remembers and keeps his promises. That's number one. Number two, God brings us laughter. The son, Isaac, his name means laughter. And I, I, women help me because I don't know that any woman at 50 is trying to have a baby, but she's delivering at 90. But she wanted a baby all that time. So I believe she's probably crying in labor, which I've seen my wife do, but Sarah's probably laughing at the same time. I just imagine her giving birth and laughing beside herself, but in pain, crying at the same time. I know none of you women find that funny. But anyway, it, this, I just can't imagine. And not only does he bring laughter to Isaac, I mean to, to Sarah at 90, but also brings laughter to Abraham at 100. Wherever you are married, 10 years in, a year in, 20, 40, 50, God wants to bring laughter to you in your marriage. Ah, you didn't hear me. God wants to bring laughter. He wants to restore laughter to this relationship called marriage. Some of you feel stuck. This is the day where you get unstuck. This is the day where laughter comes because the primary, the primary strand in your relationship is about to cause you to become one with him in a deeper way. 
You heard it that time? All right, stay with me. Now, you got to go back and look at the history because God brings us together with himself even though we get it twisted. So point one, stranded by ourselves. I'm going to read this quickly and then we'll go on. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. Let me tell you something. We, just like the patriarchs and those before us, full of faith, full of flaws. And yet God, I just, I laugh and think, God, look at what you actually give yourself to work with. Ah, this is drama. You don't need to watch TV. The Bible has got it all right here. Number one, they have this promise. They've been living 10 years. They've prayed for other people who couldn't conceive, who now conceive and have children, yet she still hasn't conceived. And you need to know, in the ancient world, it was really looked upon unfavorably if a woman could not conceive. Proverbs, I don't even have time to unpack it, talks about two of the worst things that the earth can't bear up under. One is an empty womb. It never, ever says enough. Another one is when a mistress or servant actually goes off and thinks she's better than the woman who employed her. Sarah's dealing with both. She can't get pregnant, and the woman through whom she's trying to have a child, a surrogate, her slave with her husband. I know he's like, why is that? Wait, I don't understand. We'll get to that. The, the, it, she is pregnant, walking around like, I'm having your man's baby. That's in the Bible. That's paraphrase. Why would Sarah even come up with that idea? She got to the point where she said, God has kept me from. Now, God remembers and keeps his promises, guys. When you said, I do. I want you to know something. God's not keeping you from. He's keeping you for. I've had my daughters come home. Dad, look at this guy. And I'm like, "Mm, mm, 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 no, he's not the one. Dad, I'm not keeping you from. I'm keeping you for. But when you only hear the keeping from part and not the keeping for part, you figure out another way. Listen. Number two, Abraham and Sarah agree. So Sarai goes to Abraham and says, look, and why would she do this? You got to understand, we don't have time. He's 10 years older than her. So when they leave, he's 75, she's 65. They've been there 10 years. He's 85. She's now 75. And they are siblings. They have the same father, but not the same mother. That's the way it was done in early Chaldees where they came from. When you've been walking with God for a while, but you feel like God's not coming through, sometimes you revert back to the way you grew up, what was practiced in your own home. God doesn't approve of it, but you need to understand what are the patterns that he's trying to break, the chains that fall off you, Ernie, that you don't ever practice those things again. So her heart was so hurt, she went back to the way, what she saw growing up. So I'm not finding fault with them. I'm just explaining. This is when they got it twisted. 
Why? Because when he talked, when they talked with one another, they agreed, but you don't see God agreeing to it. They got it twisted. It wasn't a braid. You understand the hair analogy now? How many times in your marriage has it been 332, 3332-3332? I got 30 years of marriage, so I can go back and go, oh, that's when me and Marion got it twisted. God was not a part of that decision. And he has to go back and undo it and then fix it and then braid going forward. There's hope for you. Say, there's hope for me. So now they're going through all of this and they're, they're having an argument about it. You know, I told you to, you know, and you slept with her and like, ah, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing they're going through. I just, you know, it's really tough. I feel for them. They got it twisted and now they're stuck. Now they're tangled. And you can just see, she's like, may the wrong done to me be on you. It's just gotten down to the two of them. Where's God in all this? God's just watching, saying, where are you? Just like he did in the garden. Where are you guys? How'd you get here? Who'd you talk to about this? I'm the primary strand. How many decisions in your marriage have you made and God was like, not there? Silence. But God comes and he sees the hardship they're going through. I can just see Sir I saying, it's your fault. You know, he's like, it was your idea. You're the one who told me to actually sleep with Hagar, your servant. I, I, I didn't want to do it. Well, I see it's the only thing you agreed to me right away. Everything else you seem to be really slow about. Try to get you to fix the garage. That takes two years. Try to get you to get a new tent, get a new camel. Five years on that. I said, sleep with Hagar. You're like, what day? <laughs> no, no. She's not even my type. I knew that when I sent her to you. Oh! I know you all have never had those kinds of conversations in marriage. Marianne! Donnell! Oh! Oh! I never wanted to be the, oh, man. And so then God comes, and he sees them, and he goes to work detangling the strand, getting us unstuck. Thank God who says, be one with me, who shows up in your mess, all tangled up, twisted by yourself. When my girl was a little, she had to take a brush and comb and untangle it. And like, ouch, mommy, that hurts. Well, you should have combed it out like I told you to. You got tangled up all by yourself. And mama has to sit you still. And she says, sit still, hold still. Let me tell you, when you get it all twisted without God, hear him saying, hold still, be still, sit still. Don't go anywhere. Don't separate. Don't divorce. Just hold still. It's going to hurt. You'll say, ouch, but it's for your good. I got to untangle what you got all tangled up in. Using your own hair products instead of mine. <laughs> you get staying up late watching those infomercials. You just. <laughs> so it's so great. Let's look at what happens. Then you move from there to point two. Crying and laughing despite ourselves. This is God detangling strands, getting us unstuck. God goes to work detangling. And so I'm going to read two passages but I want you to hear, as I read them, they're two different moments. They're not the same moment. So here's the first one. Now, this is God detangling. He first appears in a vision to Abraham, and this is Genesis 17, 15 through 19. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. 
I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, this is God bringing laughter to Abraham. You know, he's like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's laughing. He says, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. That was the son that came out of the twist. Then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. So he's going to take care of Ishmael, but Isaac's the son of promise. And so this is what he says to Abraham. Now, I want you to understand, sometime later, God shows up, and literally in Genesis, you see Jesus with two angels come and have a meal with Abraham. And in the middle of that meal... Genesis 18, it says, then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind them. It was a good meal. It's like men at Opal's table. I mean, they were feasting. Some of you don't know what Opal's table is. You need to talk to the Stevens. Anyway, Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself. Who laughed first? But that was when he was talking with who? God. Now Jesus says, where's Sarah? And he says it to Sarah. Sarah laughs to herself and thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Verse 13. Then the Lord said to Abraham, not to Sarah, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? When you get it twisted in marriage, know for certain God is at work. The whole still, it's uncomfortable, all of that. But he's bringing laughter. He has to go to Abraham and speak to Abraham and said, I'm going to bring laughter to your life. That's what Isaac means. And he falls down laughing. He never tells Sarah. By the way, this revelation came from God to my wife. I never saw this. It took a woman to see it. My wife said to me, why would Sarah be laughing? As if she were hearing it for the first time. Since God told Abraham, you're going to have a son, Isaac, through Sarah, shouldn't he that night in the tent told her, let me tell you what God told me? He ain't said it. Because when you get it twisted, there's certain conversations you don't want to have. He didn't want to bring up that whole nation-building conversation again. Can you imagine? Hey, listen, um, I know about Ishmael and everything, but like I had a vision. I don't think it was pizza. And God says, you're going to have a son, and his name's going to be Isaac. Dude, I'm 89. Yeah, I didn't think it was a good idea to bring that up. He didn't even tell her. So God shows up and says it to Sarah, and she falls down laughing as if she's hearing it for the first time. Now, we don't know that for certain, but it certainly appears that way. Isn't that amazing? When God works on the strand, sometimes he'll say something to the husband. Sometimes he'll say something to the wife that the husband didn't say to the wife or the wife didn't say to the husband. But he's what? Braiding you together with himself. Mm. Bringing laughter to you, bringing laughter to your spouse so he can restore the laughter in the marriage. Some of us only desire to be detangled from our mess, but God wants something more. And that's what I want to talk about in the remaining time. Point three, braiding us together. Coming to the point where we're not relying on ourselves, but God, the primary strand. I want to read what I said earlier. The child grew and was weaned, and this is verse 8, chapter 21. On the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son. 
For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God. Would you say, but God? One more time. One more time. You've got to have a but God in your marriage. You know, our marriage is going this way. We were arguing and fighting over this thing. It's been years that we've been experiencing this, and I'm at the point where I'm ready to... But God, but the primary strand. Ishmael is 14 years old. Isaac, little thing. Abraham's so hard, so he's, he's dancing at the party. Y'all gonna have an after party after Easter. Abraham is just, that's my boy. Come on. I'm going to take him shooting at the gun range. (laughs) Meanwhile, the 14-year-old doesn't remember the feast he had. He was too young, if there was one. And his heart is filled with all kinds of things that are not right, and he's mocking And while the party's going on, women always see stuff that men are clueless about. (laughs) They know what they were wearing. Like, I I, I was just eating the hors d'oeuvres. I didn't notice. Ishmael's mocking, and Sarah saw it. And that night in the tent, man, if the candle was on, you could see the silhouettes, and they got hot in there. Get rid of that woman and her son. Her son. Sarah, what are you talking about? Her son. That's our son. Isaac's our son, and that's our son. She was disowning Ishmael, and it distressed him greatly. You ever been greatly distressed in marriage? You might not want to raise your hand. Greatly distressed, and they're going back and forth. It was your idea. We can keep them both. Listen, how long are we going to live? Who's going to be around to take care of Isaac? He's the son of the promise. And then it says, but God... Let me tell you, there has to be a but God every day, every month, every year, every decade in your marriage, no matter what you go through. I don't care how bad you got it twisted. There's got to be a moment where at the end, when you're on the brink and you think there's no future for us, the only way forward is but God, the primary strand who comes and says, where are you? Let me detangle you. Let me braid you together with myself. And he says to Abraham, not Sarah, do not let this distress you. The boy, God doesn't even call him your boy or her boy or Hagar's boy. He says, the boy, I'm going to take care of him. And I'm going to take care of Hagar too. But listen to Sarah. Listen to Sarah. I listened to her the last time. You shouldn't have listened to her about Hagar. That you should have talked to me. Now you're talking to me. This is me telling you listen to her. Am I saying listen to your spouse? I'm saying listen to God speak to you through your spouse. Eve, when she spoke, God was not in it. 
Adam should have said, I don't hear God in that. Abraham should say in this moment, I hear God in that. That's how you know when to listen. When you're a three-braided cord, you don't just hear your spouse, you hear the voice of the Lord speaking to you through your spouse. Make sure the only voice you hear in marriage is not just yours, not just your spouse's, but you got to hear God speaking through you and you got to hear God speaking through your spouse. And that's how you live as a three-braided cord. You're sitting at the table and you're talking, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea too, but that sounds like a good idea, but that sounds like a good idea, but God. And then when it's a God idea, you act. A good idea will take you so far, but if it's twisted, you'll wish it was a God idea. You can learn from experience. You can learn from wisdom. They're both great teachers. One will cost you more. The other will reward you more. But God, and so his heart was not distressed. And the next day, he sent Ishmael away because God said so. And they didn't, it's not a happily ever after. This message is not ending on happily ever after. This message is the grace of God sometimes his power is displayed in signs and wonders, and sometimes it's displayed in joy and affliction. If you're going through something in marriage and you're thinking God won't take it away, it's because he's trying to give you joy in what you're suffering. You should say amen to that. I'm going to do it again. If you're going through a challenging moment in your marriage, in your family or something, and you feel stuck, and you're like, I don't know how to get out of this, and you beg God to take it away four times, and he hasn't, so you're thinking about leaving, quitting, or just checking out, you ought to say, but God, and if he doesn't take it away, then say, give me joy to endure this lesson, because I'm going to be different when I come out on the other side of it. I'm not telling you just what's in the book. I'm telling you where I'm living at 30 years. Marianne! The guy goes, she ain't the problem. Who's that? Me? Who, who's the problem? You, you? You can't tell me she doesn't have flaws. She has flaws. But so do you. She's my tool in your life to address your flaws. And you're my tool in her life to address your flaws, her flaws. But the tool doesn't work without me. You just can't go work on her. I'm the one who picks up the tool. Did you ever see a hammer just jump up? <laughs> That's what you look like trying to fix your spouse. Ridiculous. All right, we got to stop. I love y'all. Can I pray for you? If you're married, if you ever got it twisted, stuck, and you want to get free today, stand on your feet. Come on. This is celebration. I'm, y'all gonna be laughing. God's the only one who can bring joy and laughter to your marriage. Lord Jesus, say this with me. Lord Jesus, you are the primary strand. We have got it twisted. More times than we can count. But today, we say thank you because you're detangling us. You're getting us unstuck. And you're braiding us in such a way that we get to be one with you. Thank you for making us 
one with you today. Braid us together with yourself. Now I want to pray for you. Look up. Lord, I thank you right now that all over this place at Neely, here, Odessa, there are marriages that you are touching in the, in the, by the Spirit of God. God's right now saying, I'm detangling you. I'm causing you to be unstuck. Things where you got it twisted. I'm beginning to unravel what was unraveling, and I'm going back to where the braid was, and I'm going to braid you together with me, and I'm bringing laughter to you, laughter to your spouse, joy to you, joy to your spouse, and laughter to your marriage. Just lift your hands if you want to believe and receive that. Holy Spirit, I thank you all over this place right now for you entering into marriages and braiding yourself together with husband and wife so that they're becoming one. And you don't have to ask, where are you? Because you're right there in the middle of the braid. Lord, restore hope, restore joy, restore laughter. I thank you. Isaac is laughter being birthed in our marriage. If you agree with that, just give God a shout of praise, a shout of joy, and worship in the day.